ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome to Nosebleeds, WFUV's baseball podcast. Excited to be with you today, talking some Mets, talking some Yankees, and of course, the rise of no-hitters this year. We will get into all of it. My name is Sam Davis, joined by Ryan Gregware. Looking forward to talking some baseball with you, Ryan. How are you doing today? You know, I'm doing great. I feel like the last few times we've talked baseball, whether it's on one-on-one or whatever, my Yankees have not been playing that well, but obviously that's changed recently. So I'll look forward to talking about that. Some Mets stuff too. And the no hitters thing, I think it's fascinating, Sam, like, you know, we'll get into it, but I really do, you know, I have a really strong opinion on kind of what's going on in the game now, but yeah, I'm doing great. You know, it's a pretty nice day out, not as humid and hot as the last few days, but no complaints. I'm chugging along here. Interesting that you say you have a strong opinion about it because I think I do too. So uh, that'll be an interesting subject. Uh, to end the show. But first here, of course, with the New York Mets, um, I just want to kind of get the negative energy with with New York baseball kind of out of the way, I guess, here with starting with the New York Mets. I'd say there are varying levels of worry right now for Mets fans. Obviously, losing two out of three to the Marlins is um, not not ideal, to say the least. But the team is still in first place. The team has just about half their starting lineup is out due to injury. Um, so, Ryan, I want you to step out of your Yankees fan's sure. shoes and step into a Mets fan's shoes. How worried are you about this team so far this season? Yeah, if I'm being real, I'm not, like, crazy worried. And part of that is because I think they are, you know, a huge benefactor of playing in the NL East, right? You know, this was supposed to be, Sam, like a top division going into the year. Maybe the most competitive, top to bottom. We thought there'd be four legit teams. And the one team we kind of wrote off was the Marlins, who made the playoffs last year. So the Mets kind of, it was supposed to be a battle and to be 21 and 19 and up a game and a half is huge. I think with all the injuries, you know, it's six of the eight opening day starters, position players are out right now. So they're just getting ravaged. There's nothing you can do about it when all your guys are hurt. So to kind of tread water here, if you could play 500 baseball for the next two, three weeks, you'll get DeGrom back soon. You know, you'll get some other guys back. I think if you weather the storm, they'll be fine. Um, you talked about the panic, obviously losing two out of three to the Marlins. It's not ideal. It's not what you want, but it is not the end of the world. We can get into some questionable decisions in those games that maybe hurt their fortune there. But yeah, if I was a Mets fan, obviously, you know, you have the Lindor thing, which I'm sure we'll get into in a second. He's got to play better. He's one of the few guys that's still in the lineup. And when you're paying him 340 million, he has to carry the load. But for now, if they can stay at this kind of murky weather here, you know, tread, water with the way the NL East is if they're still even like three games out of it by the time their guys come back they have the talent to win this division I don't think anyone's denying that I think they will be fine in that regard yeah I mean I I'm gonna be a little bit more negative just a little bit for me the reason I'm a little more negative is because they the the Mets are coming off a series where they took two out of three from the Braves which I thought was very impressive I, I know the Braves aren't playing too well right now but the fact that they can take two out of three from what you know, I, I'd say a lot of people think are maybe the favorite in the NL East or at least up there with the Mets to be able to take two out of three while being injured the way that they are is impressive. And then to go from that to losing two out of three to Miami 
it's just disappointing because this team, the, this Miami team is not very good. The offense was terrible, to be honest, on Saturday and Sunday. The pitching was okay. And, you know, we'll get into Rojas and a couple decisions he made in a minute. But um, I, I think another important series, they're going to return home and play Colorado for four games. And that's coming up this week, um, starting, of course, Monday night. Um, and that's a big series as well. Another series where I think you, you need to, you know, maybe take three out of four, maybe even sweep just because it's a good, it's, it's a bad situation with all the injuries, but it's a good opportunity in the schedule, at least right now between, um, between of course the Marlins and, and Colorado two not very good teams. They didn't take care of business against Miami, even though they did against the Braves. I think they really kind of need to against Colorado just like you said, kind of play that 500 ball for now um, while they wait and, and, and hope to get some guys back. But I want to jump into this Rojas uh, talk that we that we mentioned here. It started Friday night. I mean, well, it started way before that. But in, in terms of this weekend, Friday night, uh, Stroman through seven innings, he's, he's pretty much dealing. He's got 89 pitches, which is a lot. But I mean, he's right now he's the ace of your staff without DeGrom, um, of course, leading that rotation. And uh, Rojas decides to pull him on 89 pitches. And then, boom, immediately Miguel Castro comes in, gives up the lead. Um, they go on to win that game, but still certainly kind of a questionable call. And then, and then following that up on Saturday, Joey Lucchese is pulled. He's, he goes four innings, 43 pitches. Um, and I don't think the plan was to have him go long. I don't think the plan was even to have him go maybe seven innings. But after four innings, he's dealing. It's his best start of the year by far. Um, he, he's, he has not been very good so far this year. He looked completely different on Saturday. Um, and, and eventually they go on to lose that game after pulling Lucchese. So I don't know, for me, these, these moves are, are a little bit of a head scratcher. And uh, last week on nosebleeds, we were talking about this, me and Dylan, and we were, I, I was giving Rojas a little bit of, a little bit of credit just to, due to the fact that the team is still in first place with all these injuries. I think you still have to keep that in mind, but the more and more of these decisions that get made, I don't know, for me, it, it just becomes even bigger of a head scratcher. Yeah, the, I don't like either of these moves. And I know they won the Stroman game. And there is a different reason I don't like them. Because when you have a guy like Marcus Stroman, like he has a track record, right, Sam? He's not Joey, you know, Lucchese. He's not yeah. some guy who's got shelled all year. Yeah. He is the ace of your staff, as you said right now. And he's been kind of a 1B all year. Mm -hmm. It's not even just with the injuries, he's an ace. He'd be an ace on maybe 25 other clubs the way he's pitching right now. And to have 89 pitches with the way that the bullpens are nowadays, right? Like your bullpen's getting taxed day in and day out, especially when you have, you know, they didn't, when Stroman got pulled, they didn't have Lou Casey penciled in to start the next game. So they didn't know what they were going. Clearly it was going to be a bullpen game, which it was. So to burn through kind of your ace at the moment at 89 pitches, I don't like that move. At least let him start the next inning and go batter to batter. I'm always a big fan of that, especially when a guy, you know, he looks comfortable. The pitch counts kind of low. It's like in that murky area. 89, I think, is still too relatively low. Even like 95 plus, I'm willing to go batter to batter with them. And to not even give him the chance to do that. I know they won the game, but they had to burn through six relievers in that one. So that was something I didn't agree with. And then you're in the next game, right? You have Luke Casey, who didn't know he was starting until the morning of the game. So there's kind of, you know, he wasn't stretched out to be a starter, right? He's been in the bullpen kind of the last week or so after his starts have not been going well. But through four innings, he was awesome. Easily his best performance of the year. And 43 pitches is still really low. You see a lot of guys, you know, two innings, 43 pitches. It's not even – the thing that I don't get, it's not about the innings he was pitched because the pitch count's so low. 
even though he's an opener, I feel like he has to be stretched out more than 43. Mm. And when you're coming off a 12 inning game where you use six guys, yeah. there's, there's, there's only so many guys you can turn to in the pen, which is why I didn't like that. I get that he's been bad all year. And if you keep him out, maybe he gives up a run and his confidence goes out the wayside. But at the same time, you could help build his confidence if you go through five shutout with Luke Casey. So that was one I didn't like. Um, you know, Rojas too, you have to keep in mind, like, I always go back to this. He really wasn't their first choice at manager, not even their second. Mm -hmm. he, was a, he wasn't one of the top two finalists the first go around. Obviously, they hired Beltron with the Astros scandal and that fiasco. You know, they, they had to turn a different direction. But it's really interesting because obviously they cleaned house with Steve Cohen when he took over. Mickey Callaway has gone. Um, Brody Van Wagenen was gone. Mm -hmm. And the guy that they keep was Rojas. And I feel like this is kind of a make or break year for him. I feel like he kind of has a playoff mandate where if they don't make the playoffs, I 100% see them going in a different direction. I see Mets fans who aren't fond of him. They want him fired immediately. They want him fired right now. So he's done this before. He's made questionable decisions. And I just wonder, like, is it getting too cute? Is it the analytics? Because the Stroman one, obviously, we know third time through the order in today's game is a big no-no for the analytics. But that's one when, like, you got to go with your gut. Lucchese, like, you got to go with your gut. You got to see the way he's pitching. 43 through four, eight strikeouts. The off speed was nasty. You got to let him stay out there. So, you know, a tough loss for them in the Lucchese game, especially when you're facing a weaker team like the Marlins. But, yeah, I don't know where they go from here in that sense. Um, Roas, I guess, he's still inexperienced. Is it the more reps? Is that going to make him better? You know, I really don't know what the answer is, Sam. Is it just maybe that he's not a good manager? Like, it could be that. Yeah, I, I think – it's definitely playoff or bust in terms of Rojas and, and his job yeah. security. I think that's definitely uh, for sure. And, and also, you're right. He, he was kind of a fill-in manager. He was almost like an in-between guy. He wasn't necessarily their first choice. He wasn't the guy that the Mets fans, I think, expected when Cohen you know, uh, took over. Um, and, and I don't think he's really the long-term fit for this team either right now. Um, but... I do want to say that, you know, and I've said it multiple times, but the Mets are still in first place and we need to remind Mets fans. We need to remind baseball in general of that. So as long as the Mets remain in first place and make the playoffs, I hate to say this, maybe Mets fans won't like this, but I think Rojas will continue to have a job um, at least for the foreseeable future if that happens. But I don't know that there's a long, long way to go, obviously, uh, the Mets will return home for a seven-game homestand. Like I said, they have Colorado and then Atlanta. Um, but can and I give a quick note on that? Yeah. Because you talked about how they need to take three out of four. Mm -hmm. Like, a split would be a loss here. The Rockies are 2-17 yeah. and 17 on the road this year. Yeah, they're a like, terrible team. They, they've essentially given up, I mean, this year. Yeah, you have to win three out of four with the injuries. Like, they're 2-17 and 17 on the road. you got to yeah. take care of business if you're the Mets here. Yeah, and the Mets are a good team at home, too. So that, that's, like, a, a perfect series, I think, for the Mets to rebound. So that, that, that's certainly something uh, to look forward to for Mets fans. And then they'll be on the road for nine games. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to plug me and Dylan, obviously we'll be there for those home games and check out the WFUV sports Twitter, uh, for all updates on the Mets, um, over to the Yankees. Now, Ryan, a, a team very close to your heart, a team that you got the chance to cover, uh, this past weekend, um, on their way to sweeping the Chicago white Sox. The Yankees have won five series in a row now dating back to May 7th to the 9th. Um, Ryan, what's the key to their success, especially recently in, in, what I think was a really huge series sweep against the Chicago White Sox. What's been that key for this Yankees team? 
Yeah, this was a huge series. Going into it, the White Sox had the best record in the AL. So, like, this is one where it's two heavyweights. I think people expect the Yankees to be there at the end of the day. The White Sox are clearly legit contenders. Um, but by far, the number one thing has been the pitching. Mm-hmm. The last five times the starters gone out there, it's been shut out. You know, we'll talk about Kluber, who got it going in a minute with the no-hitter stuff. But for Herman and Monty to go seven shutout back-to-back, and even a guy like Tyone, who's been super shaky all year, He's coming off the heel of four straight, you know, seven inning shutouts by the starters. And he's able to go five shutout. He really didn't have his A stuff, but he was able to get his fastball by the White Sox. And we all know Garrett Cole, right? I covered that game on Saturday. I think he had like his B minus stuff and he Mm. still went seven shutout. Season high in walks and three, got four double plays. It really like, that's why you pay a guy. I know this isn't related to that. That's why you pay a guy 320 million when he doesn't have his, clearly didn't have his A. Early on, it was his C kind of B stuff, and he's able to give you seven shutout against what was the best offense in the AL. Mm-hmm. It's exactly why you do it. So, yeah, the pitching's been unbelievable. They have the best pitching ERA in baseball, this or the AL, excuse me, at 3.17, third to only the Dodgers and Padres. And I think it's really interesting because this is a complete shift of what it's been for the Yankees, right? Yeah. In the past, it's been the offense has been slugging you to wins. The pen is shut down, and the pen is still shut down but the pitching is leading them to wins. I think this is also like a really weird stat. I think no one saw coming. The Yankees are the only team in baseball this year, Sam, to not win a game when you give up more than five runs. So this is a team we expected to be, you know, slugging their way to victory Mm -hmm. like they have been the pitching after Cole was all question marks. It's been the complete opposite. It's been complete games by the pitching, you know, the starters going seven shutout, the bullpen picking up the slack. And that's, what's been able to win them these games, you know, Chapman, who was, the most unhittable pitcher in baseball this year, inning to inning, gave up his first run of the season last night on Sunday. But they were able to pick it up in the ninth. Uh, so, yeah, a huge series for the Yankees. Inspires a ton of confidence when you're able to sweep a team like the White Sox. So I've, I'm sure that these teams will meet again, whether it's the playoffs, you know, whatever it is. But, yeah, really good series from the Yankees. And they're trending in the right direction now. I think they're nine games over 500, best they've been all year. Weird because they're still third in their division. You know, we talked about the NL East. The Mets were in this division. I'd be a lot more concerned about them just because you have the heavyweights. But, yeah, really good series from the Yankees. Super impressed. And you mentioned now they've won their last five. They haven't lost any of their last ten series. They're 8-0-2. So they're trending in the right direction. They're heating up. And I think once the bats get going, this team will be really scary. Yeah, I think the pitching is, is obviously what you have to highlight first. And I, I think the, the bounce back starts are huge. Um, Montgomery's a big one from Friday night. You know, he had a tough start in Baltimore to be for him to be able to come back, uh, go seven strong uh, shutout innings. I think that's huge. I think he's a very important piece to this rotation, a piece that people don't talk about enough. He's a consistent, you know, he really needs to be a consistent three or four guy in this rotation. And that's exactly what he needs to be. Like they're not yeah. asking him last year. He was starting elimination games. Yeah. You know, he started game four against the Rays and this year it's perfect for him because he's not a number two. No. He's not a three on this team. Herman is way better stuff. Mm-hmm. What they're asking him to be is exactly what he can be a four who can go out and give you a great start when he needs to. Obviously yep. there are consistency issues there, but yeah, Monty's a grinder. I've always been, up on him and when he's your four you know you have a strong rotation yeah and the thing is is like that start friday night that's that's not even number four start that that's more of a number one or number two start so you can't expect that out of him every time but the fact that he did give that and a huge bounce back start i think um is just a great sign for this rotation and then obviously cole 
actually another bounce back for, for him yeah. as well, because he struggled in Texas for him to be able to, you know, deal even like you said, Ryan, with, you know, maybe B, B stuff or even C stuff at times. I see that with the Grom, you know, covering the Mets, it's the same thing. He'll go out there and not have great stuff and still go seven, give up none. Um, two of the best there to do it, um, it with Cole and uh, DeGrom. But, and then even outside of Cole, I mean, Tyone was big too for him to get back on track. Herman also in Texas pitched well. So um, for me, it's, it's funny. And I, I think I've mentioned this before, uh, maybe on nosebleeds last week, but going into the year, uh, the Yankees pitching was the biggest question mark. Like you said, everyone was worried about the pitching and I'll, you know, I'll say me, myself, I was very worried about this pitching staff, to be honest. I didn't expect them to go out and perform the way that they have. Um, and, and I think that's huge. If you, if you can continue to get, uh, you know, you're always going to get Cole. I mean, that's no questions asked. We mentioned Montgomery. I think he, he's a consistent guy. I, I, I was never really worried about him in the rotation, it was Kluber, it was Tyone, it was Herman, and then, you know, eventually Severino. Those guys were all had some sort of question mark surrounding them. Um, and, and the fact that, I mean, right now, this is kind of recency bias, but at the moment, I mean, Herman, Tyone, and Kluber are all pitching very well. So uh, the fact, if they can continue to have them rolling in this rotation, and then, like you said, you get these bats going, um, which is you know, probably the biggest strength of this team, I would say, um, you know, the bullpen has been great too. Um, and that deserves mentioning, but if you get the bats going and this starting rotation continues to deal, uh, watch out. I mean, I, I think, uh, this might be kind of the month, um, maybe this month of May where we look back and say, this is when the Yankees started to really get on a roll. This is when the Yankees started to put the early season struggles behind them in, of April and show that, basically what everyone thought we uh, the Yankees deserve and, and, and should win the division. I mean, that, that's kind of what everyone thought going into the year. No one thought the Yankees were going to lose this division. And I think we're going to look back on May as kind of that time when we see this Yankees team really start to get on a roll, take control of the division. But my question for you, Ryan, is this AL East has been better than we've, than I think everyone's thought so far. It's been much better. Um, and I, I think, you know, obviously I think most people believe the Yankees are going to come out on top of this division eventually, but my question to you is, is it going to be close? Are, are there going to be, uh, are the Blue Jays, are the Red Sox going to stick around in this division or the Rays as well and give the Yankees a little bit of trouble down the stretch? Or do you think the Yankees are able to kind of run away with this as they start to pick up steam and get better here in May? Yeah, even though I'm like extremely high on the Yankees right now, I don't see this being a division where they run away with it. It's August, they're up double digits, just because I think it's so it's so deep this year. Like mm -hmm. you have four legit teams. The Blue Jays, they're in fourth right now. I had them as a wild card one, I think, going into the year. And they've, you know, they've dropped a few here. The Rays also, like the Rays were in the World Series last year. They were objectively better than the Yankees from start to finish last season. And I know they traded Snell. I know they did some other stuff. They just traded Willie Adams. They still win, though. They still find they a still way to win. win. They've won 10 in a row. You know, I have to – I remember they were struggling, and the, they swept the Mets, and I gave some of my Mets fans, my friends, some hard times. I was like, you just woke up the Rays. And that's exactly what they did because yep. they've, I think they've gone 7-0 and since that series. So, yeah, and the Red Sox are obviously in first right now. I'm still – sorry, Sam, I'm not all in on the Red Sox. I don't <laughs> think that rotation can hold up. But when you have four teams that you can make a viable – you know, spot for the playoffs. I don't think you're going to be able to run away with it. 
It's really going to come down to, though, if the Yankees can beat those teams, right? Because they haven't even played the Red Sox this year. Mm-hmm. They just took two out of three from the drop. Now they have a huge series against the Blue Jays starting on Tuesday. And I think they go to Tampa or Tampa comes here after that. So, yeah, if they're able to beat up on the AL East, which they um, – in 2019, they really did that extremely well. Last year, not so much. If they're able to do that, then I think they will comfortably win this division. I still – would put my money on them winning this division. But no, I don't think it's going to be what we all thought. That's why I think it was so important they got it together because they started the year five and 10, mm-hmm. right? You know, they looked lost up there. They had the worst record in the AL. And I did, I, I almost pushed the panic button. I think we were on one-on-one together. And I like, I said, it's in the reddish area. It's not bright red yet, panic meter, whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah. Right now, you it know. Was there, no, there right, it was there though. Right, it was there. You had to start winning the games. It's what they've been able to do. Um, and I do think, though, like, there is a positive regression to come for the offense. I think I looked today. They're, like, 18th in team OPS. There's no chance they end the year that low 18 the way that the talent that they have. You know, they've had some – Boyd just got back. Labor Torres, too, I think we need to give him some credit because he really is red hot right now. Probably the Yankees' hottest hitter. He drove in eight of the 12 RBIs versus the White Sox during that three-game stretch. So he's absolutely locked in. Um, one more thing I want to say here, because, you know, we were just talking about the pitching and our, you know, our sports manager, Alex Wolves gives me a hard time because I, I was on a show. I said the Kluber signing was a failure after he got rocked after his first four starts. Wow. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was just not going to work out there. Mm -hmm. And another one in Herman, I I think I could pull up some texts where I was like, all right, let's just cut him. (laughs) His first two starts were so bad. They sent him down. Obviously. Well, with Herman too, it was like a personality thing too. It it wasn't just the the, the baseball. It wasn't just on the field. Oh yeah. And if the on the field wasn't on with him, Mm I give him no, I like, there was no leash for him. So that's why. I was ready to cut bait there, but you got to give the Yankees credit for sticking with Kluber, mm-hmm. calling her mom back up. He's been lights out. His stuff is so good. Um, you know, he won 18 games in 2019. People do kind of forget that. So he has the talent to be a legit number yeah. three in this rotation. So yeah, I'm feeling good about the Yankees right now for sure, but it's definitely not going to be a runaway. I don't think you can say that and be fair because this AL East it's loaded. Like I'm yeah. just looking at it. There are four legit teams that can win playoff games will, will win regular season games in this division. It won't be easy for the Yankees, but they definitely have the talent to go out there and win it. Yeah. I think, um, you know, touching on my, my Red Sox for a second here, I, I think the the one thing I will say about that team is I agree with you, the pitching it's, I don't think it'll sustain itself. I really don't um, just being realistic, but that offense is always going to play. It, it's a very strong offense. And I think that matches up well, um, with this Yankees team, because um, I don't know that 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 lineup uh, against this Yankees Eric, pitching sure. staff is going to be very fun to watch. I, I, I think that's gonna, and I I just hope, and I think baseball fans in general hope both of these teams are good uh, down the stretch, or at least somewhat competitive. Still, that way we can see some exciting series in the, in the middle of the summer. Like you said, they haven't played each other yet. I'm am very looking forward to seeing this Red Sox team matchup. Uh, in New York, in the Bronx. I think that'll be fun to watch. And then outside of that, this division's here to stay, I think. Uh, I I totally agree with you. I really don't think they're going to run away, which I was shocked with. I expected the Yankees to run away with the AL East going into the season. The fact that, um, you know, but then you think about it, and the Rays, I feel like, are always stick around. The Rays will always be okay. The Blue Jays obviously improved a lot. Um, Like you said, Ryan, wildcard team. I thought they were a wildcard team, too. They might still be. Um, so this division is 
is not necessarily going to be handed to the Yankees. They're going to have to go out and, and, and fight for it. But it seems like that's kind of what they're doing now. They're, they're starting to play better baseball. Um, and then for me, uh, if they continue to pitch, that's the bottom line. If, if they continue to pitch, I don't really see a team in the American League beating them. Wow. I don't even know if I see a team in baseball beating them. If they continue to pitch this well and, 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 the, and then the lineup starts to find it, which I think is kind of inevitable. I think the lineup will find things. Like you said, they're way too good to be um, hitting where they are right now. But that's the biggest question, and that's the question I'm going to ask you. Do you think that this starting rotation is going to sustain the success they have right now throughout the year? I know it's, it's a tough question to answer because you don't have a crystal ball. You can't look into the future. But do you think this rotation can really be this good all year? Yeah, no, I wish I had a crystal ball because then <laughs> I, and I wish it said yes. Um, I know Cole is going to be there a million percent. I really do believe like the way that Kluber's reinvented himself he 2.6, 2.86, sorry, ERA right now. I don't know if that's sustainable, but I could see him being a three sub three guy for sure. Just the way he's looked, I know he just had that, you know, no hitter. We'll get into that in a second, mm -hmm. but I really do believe in him. I just talked about Herman winning 18 games. I know wins are not indicative. I'm not a big wins guy myself, but clearly you have to go out and perform to get, you know, to 18 wins in a season. So honestly, like the way that they look, Tyone, I'm still, I'm still bullish on. I'm not really all in on him. And Monty, we just talked about, he's just a solid number four in this rotation. Mm -hmm. So is it, are they going to end the year with the best pitching ERA in the AL? I can't say that for certain, like probably not, especially with the way you talked about the Red Sox offense, you know, that those are going to be slugfests. They always are. Mm -hmm. And just a note on that too, you talked about how it's good if both these teams are good. And I agree hundred percent. There's nothing worse than like mid August, Sunday night baseball game. And one of these two teams are like 15 yeah. games out of it. Yeah. it. Just takes the juice and the atmosphere out of the air. Yeah. And it looks like we'll have it this year. Obviously I don't root for the Red Sox to do well, but the game is hundred percent better if those two teams are beating each other up a little bit. So yeah, it's a really tough question. You know, I don't want to come out in here and say no, but I'd also love to be proven wrong if I did <laughs> say that. Um, I think that they will be able to be an above average rotation. I will confidently say that. And that's something that you have not been able to say in years past. There really have not been throughout this kind of like 2017 to now, which is kind of the new era, which has been the new kind of competitive Yankees here. You've never had more than two guys. You can confidently give the ball with trust. Uh, it's been like a Tanaka, Sevi, some weird things there last mm -hmm. year. It was really just Cole and Tanaka. Um, but this year, I think there's four guys you can legitimately give the ball to whether the numbers stay as sharp and nice as they are now, I don't think that's going to stay. Obviously, you've thrown five straight. You know, it's 35 scoreless innings by the rotation. Mm -hmm. That's not sustainable. But, yeah, I do think that you're going to have a rotation where you finally can trust two-plus guys. And I think in the playoffs, that's how you win. You need to be able to trust. You need to be able to reach down in the well, get starters who can go. They can eat innings, and they can get outs. And I think that's exactly what the Yankees have this year. It's just a question of um, is it going to be enough with the lineup because – we talked about how we think the lineup's going to get better. The one thing I'll say, Hicks, um, kind of newish news in the last week, is going to have surgery on the wrist. Yep. He's out for months, they said. I'm not counting him to come back. Yep. Maybe he toughs it out like he did in 2019, late down the stretch there. But I do think the Yankees should be aggressive on that side of the ball, which is interesting. I think they have the lowest OPS in baseball from the left side. They pretty much had non-factors everywhere. So I think they could go out and add a bat there. Mm -hmm. And the pitching, yeah, just to go back to that, um, I think, I think it's here to stay. I really do, Sam numbers, not the same, but I do think you will be able to count on these four guys when it's all said and done in October. 
Yeah, and I think um, circling back to this past weekend, speaking of the playoffs, you know, that's a potential matchup a lot of people thought would happen. You know, that that was an ALCS matchup I think a lot of people considered was the White Sox and the Yankees. So for the Yankees to go out and sweep that team, I think that's huge for the confidence. That's huge uh, for Yan- the Yankees organization as they kind of get on a roll here, start to win some ball games, and show themselves as the team that everyone thought they would be uh, going into the season. So, but before we end the show here, um, we've been hinting at it throughout and we're finally getting to it. Um, There's been a big theme in the game of baseball that um, we have to bring up. And it's of course the rise of no hitters. Um, Since the last edition of nosebleeds, which was last Monday, we're going to use that as a little bit of a reference point. There's been two, no, two, no hitters, Spencer Turnbull, no hit the Mariners um, on Tuesday, the 18th. And then Corey Kluber, of course, um, as everyone knows, no hit the Rangers on Wednesday, the 19th. So that's six no hitters this season. It's seven. If you count Madison Bumgarner's seven inning, no, no, which was unofficial as I'm quoting, but still a no hitter. Um, And that's the most amount of no hitters through May 19th in major league history. And to make the numbers even crazier, only three teams have been no hit. The Mariners, Rangers, and Indians have been no hit twice, all, all three of those teams. So Ryan, I'm just going to throw you the question that's just been on everyone's mind. It's kind of a two-part question. The first is, are the rise of no-hitters the result of a a very bad offensive season, um, to this point at least? And with so many no-hitters this year, have they become less meaningful? Yeah, it's it's funny that you asked me that because um, I was just on – I was on nightly last week, and Mm -hmm. it was the day after Turnbull's no-hitter. And I was talking about how they aren't, they aren't meaningful anymore. Um, I think I tweeted after the third, like, it's not history anymore. I got some pushback on that. And then what's <laughs> happened, there's been three no hitters in the last two weeks since then. So that's mm-hmm. kind of been validated. And no, I just, I don't think, you know, it's six no hitters. We're mid-May. We're on pace for almost 20 this year. The record is in the modern era, it's seven. We're going to shoot past that this year. Um, and I do think, as you said, it's a result of the dead in ball, 100%. Um, the offense is obviously at an all-time low, right? We're under 240 for the year, so I think we're going to shatter the strikeout record as well. Mm-hmm. But the funny thing is, I was on the show on Wednesday talking about how they're not meaningful anymore after Turnbulls. And while I'm doing the show, Corey Kluber was like six innings. <laughs> it is no hitter. And obviously, I'm a Yankee fan. And so I go so and I a little bit. So I go and I tweet after the game. I took back everything I said about no. <laughs> no, um, I mean, it was still awesome to see Kluber throw his no hitter. I remember after the show, I like sprinted down the stairs to get the game on to watch the last nine outs. But like, I definitely felt, I still felt a, uh, a like a sense of happiness and stuff. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't think that they are what they once were. I remember like as a kid, you, you, you get a, you get a text or whatever. This guy's a no hitter through eight innings. You throw on MLB Network, mm-hmm. you throw on Sports Center, you're all in on that last three yes. outs. It's such a special and unique thing to baseball where you have one person, right? 27 outs without getting a hit. It's something that you dream about as a kid of doing that. And I do think like there just is one, there's just an aspect this year of it doesn't mean as much. Wait, I was watching Turnbulls. Um, it was late at night. It was like 1230. And I just wasn't the same buzz and the same kind of atmosphere that I felt getting the no hitter. And I do think it's just a result of the balls and it's something they have to change. I think we've seen a slight uptick in recent years, but nothing like this. I mean, six no hitters, kind of a seventh with the seven inning one, you know, whatever. And it's only May 24th. It's absolutely absurd. So yeah, I don't, I don't see the significance meaning as much as it did, which is really unfortunate. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want to be up here and I hate when like, I don't want to bash Manfred say this and that without giving a solution. 
and I just, I don't have a solution, but what I do know is something needs to be done because why is there a no hitter every single week? Like, why is there no hitter watch, you know, every three days, they, that can't be the way the game is trending. It's not fun either. Right. No, you know, it's not fun if no hitters don't mean as much. And it's not fun if you're watching games, even if they're not no hitters where the teams aren't scoring. Yeah. Last night after, um, you know, basketball, whatever, Knicks lost, I turn on baseball. I'm done with basketball for the night. And it's zero zero in the ninth inning of Sunday night baseball, Cubs Cardinals. <laughs> At a certain point, we got to get the offense back on track. Mm-hmm. I know with the weather warming, the ball will start to carry more. But yeah, I don't know what they did with the balls. They definitely tinkered them a little bit. But yeah, it's been a weird year in that sense. The offense has to get better. Um, no hitters, they just aren't the same in my eyes right now. Yeah, I think. Everyone can say there's a problem. I think everyone can realize that. The solution is a lot more difficult to think about. Um, For me, I'm going to point a little bit of this problem, and not the whole problem, to a different hitting philosophy that's been around the game of Major League Baseball. And it's not just this year. It's been been a couple years at least. Um, Even when I was playing high school baseball, I noticed that, you know, this hitting philosophy started to, you know, gain some steam. And it was basically the, the kind of home run or strikeout kind of yeah. thing, meaning that, you know, uh, if I hit a ground ball, it's going to be an out virtually every time, um, especially in the major leagues. Guides are very good. They don't make errors very often. If you hit a ground ball, it's probably going to be an out somewhere. And Sam, no, sorry to cut you up with the shift too. I think that's kind of why we've yeah. seen this trend with the shift. It's like you smoke the ball. There's going to be someone there because yeah. the number said that's where you hit the ball hard. Yeah, exactly. You pull a ball between what would normally be the first base and second baseman that's normally a base fit, base hit on a ground ball. Now the second baseman's in short right field and that's an out. So that, that's another part of it too. So now, you know, the new philosophy is, you know, let's try and hit a bunch of home runs. Let's hit doubles. Let's put the ball in the air, um, try and lift the ball. And when the balls were juiced, that worked. That worked really well. I mean, guys were still striking out, but guys were hitting home runs a lot. And, and now that the balls are no longer juiced, the balls are, I don't even know if they're normal, but I guess they're, they're dead. Um, fly balls aren't leaving the ballpark, they're outs. Um, and and all of a sudden guys are striking out just as much, or maybe even more. And then also they're lifting the ball and it's not getting out of the ballpark. It's an out. Um, so for me, if they're not going to change the balls, which I don't know if they will, I, I didn't like the juice balls because I think the juice balls made home runs, uh, meaningless, just like it made no hitters meaningless this year with the, with the dead balls. So there's got to be some sort of like middle ground, I think, between for me watching in, in the 60 game season, watching all those home runs, I didn't care at all. It was like, whatever. Cool. You hit the ball, you know, 450 feet with a juice ball for me. And this is a very personal experience because I know people love to watch a home run, but it got so old because there were so many of them. And then this year with the no hitters, it's kind of a similar idea. I'm watching all these no hitters. And like you said, it used to be you'd see the notification on your phone or whatever, And you would run over to the television and put it on and it would be so exciting. And now it's like, okay, I didn't even know Spencer Turnbull threw one. I didn't even know until the day after. Um, So that shows how, you know, kind of meaningless, I guess they've become. So for me, I point to the hitting philosophy just because um, I think if the balls aren't going to be adjusted, players in the off season need to start really thinking about hitting line drives again bunting again, stealing bases again, manufacturing runs, finding a way to win ball games. because you're right. You can't have a zero, zero game in the ninth inning. It's just not acceptable from an offensive standpoint. 
Um, and it's not just one team. It's not just one game. It's, it's around the league. It's a big problem for me. The hitting philosophy is what I think of, but I want to say it isn't just that. I mean, there's certainly like uh, a lot of other issues surrounding it as well. And, and maybe it's early in the year. Maybe the weather's not warm and balls will start to fly. But for me, I, I think hitters, if the balls aren't going to change, which I don't think they will, or maybe they will a little, but it won't be that noticeable. They won't go back to being juiced. I'll tell you that hitters need to make an adjustment in the off season with their mindset, with their approach, start hitting line drives again. Cause I think baseball fans deserve to see more out of these offenses, in my opinion. Yeah. But here's the only issue with that is the reason that they're going for the home run approach is because that's what the analytics are saying. Right. Yeah. I think that's a broader discussion because you got to dig deeper, but I feel like, you know, the managers, their coaches are coming up or telling them you have value. If you hit home runs, don't worry about strikeouts. They don't matter mm -hmm. the way the game is going, the slugging percentage, the OPS, the home run is what you were supposed to do, mm -hmm. which is why the launch angle was in there. They put the juice balls into kind of add excitement. You said it got too much. I remember, I don't remember the exact year, 2019, but uh, Brett Gardner hit like an opposite field. Like you, he hit an opposite field homer. He hit 28 homers that year. Like it's just absurd. Yeah. It definitely, it you know, it, it decreased the meaning, the significance of the home run. But the thing that worries me is why would the coaches, the managers, the guys who make the decisions, tell them just because the ball is deadened to start hitting line drives, change your approach. I feel like they could maybe just turn it the other way and say, all right, we need to figure out how to hit more home runs with this new ball, because that's just where the game is analytically. And, you know, that's another huge conversation about the role of that in the game, but you can't deny, you know, you look at the teams who are the most analytically savvy. They're the ones who were there at the end of every year. Dodgers, Rays last year by far the most analytical Yankees are super analytical Astros as well. So I do think that's a bigger discussion. That's the only thing that concerns me is, are you really going to see them change their approach? Because if they are, then I think this was worth it. I'm not a fan of kind of tanking on a year of offense to do so. I wish there was another way to do that, but if they truly are going to change their approach, are you going to bring steals back in the game? You're going to bring back line drives. Then I do like it in that sense, but I need to see them do that. I don't trust that they'll do that just because of how analytical the game is. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm, you know, I, I don't think it'll happen. It was more me, uh, right. you know, wishfully thinking about, you know, what baseball maybe used to be. Um, I know I sound like I'm like an old, yeah, you, you know, do. old baseball fan like here, but you know what? That's okay. I'll take that because I do like the game when, when stuff like that happens. I think it's a valuable part of the game of baseball. I, I really do. I, singles have their role. Hitting a ground ball to the right side to get the runner to the third base with less than two outs that has its role in baseball that scores runs. And if you look at the playoffs, um, I feel like, you know, manufacturing runs becomes, becomes Maybe. even more important because it's just about winning ball games. So that becomes, and that shows that it's something that should happen throughout the year. In my opinion, I agree with you though. Analytics has taken over baseball. I don't think there's a problem with that. I, I you know, yeah. um, at all, but I, I think you're right. It's going to be a lot more difficult than just talking about it for, to get um, these organizations to really, you know, change their mindset and change their way of hitting. That's just kind of, I guess, the nature of the game right now. You know, you have kind of the new school and the old school, I would say, combating right now. You have some teams more on one side, some on the other, a bunch kind of in the middle there, um, which makes for an interesting, I think, you know, 10, 20 years of baseball up, upcoming. We'll see what happens. But in the short term, something has to be done. I, I think everyone can, can admit that something has to be done 
for these hitters to uh, start producing a little more. Maybe this will, uh, maybe, you know, when the weather's nicer, the balls will fly more and, and we'll forget about this conversation. But I do think this is a big issue that is going to define the next 10, 20 years of, of baseball. I really do. I, I think this is a, you know, this might be a turning point for that. Um, yeah, so we, we covered quite a lot today. Um, I'll yeah. get off my soapbox here and stop uh, ranting. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, Yankees, Mets, of course, and then obviously these no hitters, I, you know, we might see some more down the road. I'm sure we will uh, in a historic year for no hitters. Um, but I think that's going to do it for our show today. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Davis, uh, along with Ryan Gregware. This has been Nosebleeds, a production of WFUV Sports.